You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. you to consider all of the things that are going on in your life right now. All of the problems, all of the difficulties, all of the struggles. Could it possibly be that God has chosen to use those things to perfect His work in you? Something that He wants to do in your future? For His glory? For your benefit? Hey listen, there's a different perspective on the tough things that are going on in our lives experience. So we need to just rest and trust in the Lord and believe that God is in control. When you think about a piece of steak to cook, you want that meat to still be soft and juicy, not hard and crusty. The flavor comes through so much more when it's cooked just right, and you can cut into that steak in a way that the juices flow out. But when that same piece of food is overcooked, it becomes hard and nearly impossible to eat or enjoy. Today, Pastor Mike talks about two men who went to these extremes. One was willing to have a soft heart, and the other became harder and stubborn. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 as he continues his message, David's Army. Now, that nearness, that oneness with our spouse. That's what we're talking about. But unfortunately, we are told in 1 Samuel chapter 25, in verse 44, Saul had given Michal, David's wife, remember Michal was uh, Saul's daughter, he had given her to another man whose name was Palti. 1 Samuel chapter 25 and verse 44. And I bet you all of the time that David was hiding there in those caves near Agilim, he was scheming on how to bring his wife there to him. But now, according to our text of Scripture, it was too late. And I'm sure that David was grieving. Well, anyway, because those who joined David, the 400 men that made up his army along with their families, and probably other members of their families. I'm sure that uh, some of the uh, wives of the uh, husbands that joined David's army brought along with them sisters and other members of their uh, families. And so because those who joined David came with their families, his following was quite large. And there was this woman whose name was Ahinoam from the city of Jezreel, According to 1 Samuel chapter 25, in one of our future studies, we'll get into this. 
in 1 Samuel chapter 25, we are told that David took her as his wife, and she met his need for tender affection, giving him someone to love and to cherish. So God took care of David's need. How faithful God is to provide for the needs of his people. Now, in the course of time, David's group became bigger and bigger. In fact, it became too large for the resources of that area. He also didn't want to arouse the suspicion of Saul. Remember, he's hiding out in these caves. So he didn't want to arouse the suspicion of Saul, who was bent on killing him, or the Philistines. So what did he do? He decided that it was time to move on. He knew that it would be safer elsewhere. But the problem existed. Where was he to go? And what was he to do with his aged parents and their safety? Remember, they had come down to these caves to join themselves together with David, not only his brothers, but also his mother and father. So he was concerned about his aged parents. You've got to love David. Here's a guy who's fleeing for his life. He's facing all of these problems, and he's still concerned for his mother and his father. He's concerned about their uh, safety. So what did he do? Well, let's pick up now in chapter 22. Once again, let's read on here, verses 3 and 4. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for me. And so he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was there within the stronghold. Okay, so David and his followers made their way around the southern tip of the Dead Sea to Moab. And there he entrusted his father and mother to the care of the king of Moab. Now, why did he do that? Why did he choose this particular location? Well, remember, David's great-grandmother was a Moabitess. Who was that? Ruth, right? And, uh, and so on that account, he felt his parents would be safe there. He felt that they had a connection uh, with uh, Moab. And Saul's victory, and so they put uh, as a part of the equation here why he chose this location, also Saul's victory over the Moabites. Remember in one of our previous studies we talked about uh, that victory. It's recorded first in 1 Samuel in chapter 14, verse 47 is mentioned. Uh, had ill-disposed the people towards Israel's king. So they didn't like, the Moabites didn't like Saul, but it predisposed them towards anyone suffering at Saul's hand. And so David knew all of this, so he thought this is a great place to seek refuge. So David here is just stepping out in faith, and his confidence is now totally in the Lord which is insinuated here by, notice, the latter part of verse 3. He says, uh, please let my father and mother come, as he's addressing the king, here with you, till I know what God will do for me. So he's completely trusting in the Lord here. Now, in verse 5, we are told, the prophet Gad, so we're introduced to in our cast of characters, this fellow whose name was Gad, he was a prophet, this was his calling, this was his ministry, he comes to David, possibly at Samuel's suggestion, obviously to stay in the land of Moab, according to what Gad had told David, is not in accordance with the purposes of God. 
Let's go back now to our text, verse 5. This is what he told David. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. And so David departed. Now remember, Judah was in the southern part of the kingdom of Israel. Remember, he's fleeing from Saul. He doesn't want to have anything to do with being a part of the kingdom. Right? If word had gotten back to Saul, he would dispatch men to take David and, and kill him. So this is interesting, the word of the prophet. Go back to Israel. You know, it, it was almost as if put yourself back into jeopardy. Well, anyway, we are told, so David departed. Notice he's completely trusted in the Lord here, completely in obedience. And he went into the forest of Hereth, according to the word of the prophecy. So David wasn't to live outside the borders of Israel, there in Moab. He wasn't to flee from discipline and suffering because all of that was a part of God's working in his life, preparing him to ascend to the throne as the next king over Israel. God had a very special work for him to do in the land of Israel. Now, I want you to consider all of the things that are going on in your life right now. All of the problems, all of the difficulties, all of the struggles. Could it possibly be that God has chosen to use those things to perfect his work in you? Something that he wants to do in your future? For his glory? For your benefit? Hey, listen, there's a different perspective on the tough things that are going on in our lives' experience. So we need to just rest and trust in the Lord and believe that God is in control. He's working behind the scenes. He's orchestrating all of the difficulties. Uh, he's pulling all of the strings. And, uh, and one day you experience and receive all of the benefits of just trusting completely and totally in the Lord. And so in obedience to God's revealed will through the prophet, he sought shelter in the forest of Hereth. Now, in verses 6 through 8, Saul heard of David's return to Judah, you know, and, and I'm sure that David you know, was a little concerned about going back into the land. And guess what? Saul found out that he was back in Israel. And the news brought on a hostile, paranoid reaction on Saul's part. So Saul summons his officers of state, these high-ranking officials, to a hilltop in Gibeah. Remember, Gibeah was where Saul had set up his uh, throne. And his words revealed the awful results of his departure from the Lord. Okay, let's pick up now here in this chapter, verses 6 through 8. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah, and his spear in his hand, and that indicated that he was ready to go to war. Who was he ready to go to war with? David and his uh, men and all his servants standing about him. And then Saul addresses this company, said to his servants, Who stood about him? Here now, you Benjamites. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? And notice the way that he describes uh, David here as the son of Jesse, sort of like a, as a pauper, not the next king of Israel, right? And uh, you know, kind of just downplaying who David was. You know, what's the benefits of joining together with David? And it gets that, that's the suggestion of, of Saul here. And so uh, he goes on to declare, Will the son of Jesse, David, give every one of you fields and vineyards? 
and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Where's the benefit? All of you, and notice now, he puts the blame on them, have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son, Jonathan, has made a covenant with the son of Jesse, David. And there is not one of you who is uh, sorry for me or reveals to me that my son, Jonathan, has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is in uh, this uh, day. And so we see in this Saul's persistent delusions of being persecuted, his jealousy, and he imagines he is being conspired against. But of course, that's not true. In Saul's condition, we see the outworkings of evil. You see, he refused to walk in the spirit, and as a consequence, came more and more under the control of the flesh as well as the devil. His heart became more hardened. And so it would be for us as well if we choose not to walk in the spirit. We will become paranoid. We will imagine these things that aren't uh, true. And so his heart became more hardened, and now it was unmoved by spiritual considerations and questions of what was right and wrong. Listen, the longer we make wrong choices and decisions and don't make our appeals unto God, the more our heart becomes hardened. You see, because Saul walked away from the Lord, he has now become the victim of his own destructive thought processes. He's become unbalanced. He's become suspicious. He's become paranoid. You know, Solomon, in the book of Wisdom, in the book of Proverbs, addresses this very thing. In chapter 29, in verse 1 of the book of Proverbs, we are told, he who is often rebuked, you know, God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to speak to us. And he does that through a variety of different ways, mostly through the study of the Word of God. And that's why it's so important to continually be in the Word, you know, where God can just kind of uh, you know, minister to us and, and, uh, so that we don't come to the wrong conclusions, make the wrong choices. He who is often rebuked by the Lord and hardens his neck, doesn't receive the instruction of the Word, will suddenly be destroyed by the actions, by the way that he's responding to those life's difficulties, and that without remedy. Now, while Saul's men were silent, perhaps suggesting, remember now, he's gathered them together, he's addressing them. While Saul's men were silent, perhaps suggesting their disagreement with the king's perception of things, you know, all of what Saul was accusing David of, they knew was untrue. All of a sudden, this fellow Doag, who we were introduced to, remember, in the previous chapter, remember when David was in Nob, and he had fleed to the place where the tabernacle was located, and there, uh, Nob was also there upon David's arrival. And remember, Nob was one of uh, Saul's, uh, 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 he was a member of, sort of like uh, one of his chief officers, And so uh, David got out of there as quickly as he could after knowing that this fellow Doeg was there and he now knew that David was there as well. He knew that he would bring back the news to uh, Saul and then Saul Saul would dispatch men and take David and then kill him. Well, anyway, this fellow Doeg, verses 9 and 10, steps forward confirming 
Saul's suspicions. Let's pick up now verses 9 and 10. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, and notice he's not an Israeli, he's an Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, that was his position, and said, I saw the son of Jesse, David, going to Nob to Ahimelech, Ahimelech, remember, at that time was the priest, the son of Ahitu, and he inquired of the Lord for him. In other words, uh, David uh, sought counsel from the priest, you know, as to what God wanted him to uh, do. So David inquired of the Lord through him. And also Ahimelech, the priest, gave David provisions, remember the uh, bread off of the table of showbread, and gave him also the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, for David's uh, protection. And so, again, this fellow Doeg steps forward, and he uh, confirms Saul's suspicions. He is suggesting Ahimelech, the priest, is guilty of treason. But notice here, he did not present the facts truthfully. Remember, when David arrived at Nob, Ahimelech didn't know even what was going on. He didn't know that David had a price on his head. He didn't even know that Saul was looking to kill him. In fact, he initially thought that he was on a mission sent by Saul to see what was going on there within the, the tabernacle. And so he didn't have any inclination of what Saul's intentions were in killing uh, David. So anyway, in anger, when uh, Doeg uh, mentioned all of what had taken place there at that location, Saul sends for the priests. Okay, now let's pick up verses 11 through 15. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? So this is the indictment that he brings against him. You and the sons of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Okay, now let's consider Ahimelech's response. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Notice he's making a stand for David here. Who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding, and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or uh, much. So, Ahimelech's defense is bold and is straightforward, and he categorically denies any evil doing. But without introducing any witnesses or permitting any cross-examination, Saul pronounces sentence. And what was that sentence? Verses 16 through 18. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, and you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. 
this vile act. And because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me, but the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. But then the king said to Doeg, remember now Doeg is an Edomite, he's not an Israeli, you turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod, which was a part of the priestly uh, garments. So 85 innocent men now were lying in their own blood around the king. And the city of Nob was then attacked, according to verses 19 and 20. And only this fellow, Abiathar, escaped the massacre. Probably the reason why was that Abiathar was left behind to protect the sanctuary. And by the way, uh, what had just taken place here, the killing of these 85 men, was actually the fulfillment of judgment that was placed upon Eli. Remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we already talked about this, because of uh, Eli not dealing with his disobedient sons. Remember the people would come to offer sacrifices there in the temple and they would take of the choices of the meat and uh, they would make it, uh, uh, you know, what should have been a, uh, a wonderful and beautiful sacrifice unto the Lord. They made it some unholy thing. And because of the fact that Eli never dealt with his sons and removed them from being a part of the priesthood, remember God through the prophet Samuel pronounced this judgment against Eli. Not one of the priests would reach old age within his house. And so this is just the fulfillment of what Samuel had spoken to uh, Eli, the high priest, back there in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 31. And then finally we read verses 21 through 23, which closes out our chapter. Let's read those final verses. And Abiathar told David, that Saul had killed the Lord's priest, so he was the only one who survived this massacre. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doag the Edomite was there, there in Nob, that he would surely tell Saul, as he did, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. So there's a sense of guilt here on David's part. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life but be with me, and you shall be safe. So anyway, this terrible, vile act of Saul's only serves to alienate more of his subjects from him. And as we will see as we continue this series here in the book of 1 Samuel, David then continues to flourish. And so we'll get into those accounts as we continue to move on here in this series. So listen, from this chapter, there are so many lessons to learn, right? And I think that every one of them are relevant to you and to me. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long. The book of 1 Samuel details how the nation of Israel transitioned from the era of having judges to a time period where they demanded to have a king rule over them. The pages that then followed include the rise and fall of King Saul, as well as introducing a person in the Bible that becomes one of the greatest men of faith, David. 1 Samuel's book of action and adventure 
but also a reminder of God's swift consequences or judgment when people fall away from Him. So often you might wonder how a passage relates to you today, but there's always something to apply from God's Word, and this book is no exception. Take the life lessons in this book and keep them in mind as you're faced with decisions to make and directions to go. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more from 1 Samuel right here on In My Father's House. Oh